Good morning. We are so glad that you are with us for worship this morning. If you are a guest this morning, welcome. We have one announcement this morning. Pastor Daryl will be starting a new class this evening. It's called Experience the, the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's going to start tonight at 6 p.m. and run for nine weeks. It'll be here in our fellowship hall. Uh, if you Each one will stand alone, so if you miss one, uh, don't worry about it. Just come to the next one. Tonight, 6 p.m., Pastor Daryl will be doing an Experiencing the Holy Spirit, the Gifts of the Holy Spirit class. Well, this morning, I wanted to start out with a verse from James chapter 1, verse 17. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change i just wanted to take a moment this morning and uh, say a prayer of thanksgiving for the rain that god blessed us with this week amen it was a good gift and it came down from our heavenly father dear heavenly father we thank you Lord, we thank you for the gift of rain. And you you blessed us with rain after rain after rain. Lord, thank you for that blessing. Lord, we continue to ask that you send that blessing, not only here, but to every area in our state, our nation, and throughout the world that is experiencing drought. Lord, we know that rain comes from you and only you. And it's a good gift. And we thank you when you pour it out. Lord, we ask you that you would also pour out your Holy Spirit, your blessing on us this morning. Lord, that you would fill this place with your presence as we worship you and give you glory and honor and praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
Exodus chapter 12, we find the account of the last plague that God would bring upon the Egyptians. And it was uh, the death of the firstborn son of every, of every household in Egypt. It, and it would have included the Israelites if they had not followed God's instructions. It was the institution of the Passover. And God instructed his people to get a one-year-old lamb or goat and to sacrifice it and to take the blood and to put it over the doorpost and over the lintel of the door. And he said that any door that had that blood on it, that the judgment would pass over. And it included the Egyptians. There were Egyptians who did that and their uh, firstborn were saved as well. And the Israelites would, would practice 
and celebrate this Passover for generation after generation after generation, all the way up to Jesus coming and living on this earth. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 7, we find this account. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. And in verse 14, it says, And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He earnestly desired to celebrate this meal with him before he would suffer. And he knew what suffering he was speaking of. He was about to become the final, the final Passover lamb. It would never be necessary for a sacrifice to be made again after he would sacrifice his own life. And after this, he says, take this bread. And eat it in remembrance of me. It's my body. You can open your bread. Father, we thank you for your son. That he came not only willing to live, but willing to die. That we might forever live with you. Father, we remember him and his sacrifice this morning as we eat this bread that represents his flesh that was brutalized for us. You may take the bread. And then he took the cup and said, this is my blood. Whenever you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. You may drink the cup. Father, we thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ that once and for all made a way for our relationship with you to be restored. We give you all glory and honor and praise this morning. Lord, I pray that we will never forget and that we will know and know that you are alive and seated in victory and authority at the right hand of the Father forever and ever and ever. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. For my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing. But through Christ in 
give the Lord a clap offering. Lord, we bless you. We thank you. We honor you. You are worthy of all of our praise and worship. Lord, you are our sufficiency and you are our supply. Father, we thank you for how you've poured out blessing upon us. But God, you have more, so much more. We rest in you. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. It's good to see you here this morning. Welcome. We're glad. Glad of those that are watching. And uh, we welcome you here online. Uh, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to ask, if you're under the age of 18, I want you to stand, please. Would you? Would you? If you're under the age of 18, don't lie. If you're under the age of 18, I want you to stand. The Lord has really put on my heart praying for this generation. And as I was coming to church this morning, the Lord said, this is going to be a Josiah generation. If you don't know about Josiah, Josiah was, he came to be a king at eight years old. And by the time he was 18, he had literally transformed the nation of Judah. He had transformed Judah. Judah was spared because of a generation that was a part of Josiah's reign. And I just want to bless you. I don't thank you. And here was the word that was over them. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord, the the Lord says, I have heard you. And I believe this generation is going to be crying out for a change in our world. And I want us to pray for them and pray that they would hear with, first of all, they'd keep a humble heart, a tender heart toward God, and a humble heart to receive the word of the Lord. And then to stand when he tells you to stand. So I bless this generation, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would raise up this generation that's going to turn the things of this world back to Jesus. Lord, I'm asking you to do this, not in our name, not for our glory, but for your glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. amen and amen. Thank you. Does it ever amaze you that the creator of the universe wants you to know him? He's gone to extraordinary lengths to come down to our level to reveal himself in a way that we not only could know him, but live with and through him. The last couple of weeks, Pastor Chris, we've been in this series called Relationship Revealed. And Pastor Chris did a good job of sharing how God uses metaphor, something that we can kind of identify with in order to reveal the relationship he wants to have with us. He talked about a gatherer. He talked about a potter. I want to conclude that series this morning with from a New Testament passage because Jesus did the same thing. In fact, in John's gospel, there are seven I am statements of Jesus where he uses metaphor to reveal who he is and who he wants to be to us. And this morning, I want you to turn to John chapter 15 and verse 5 to start with. John 15, 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. For without me, you can do nothing. I'm the vine, you're the branches. The metaphor here 
is vine, a vineyard, and Israel is covered with vineyards, and so is Texas now. Uh, lots of vineyards, so there's something that's very familiar in this passage. Jesus has just finished, the context of this passage, John 15, Jesus has just finished what we just celebrated a while ago, the communion, the celebration of Passover with his disciples. Now it was just those 11 men and Jesus. And he begins to tell them that he's about to go away and that they can't come. They'd been with him for three years. They'd given their lives to him. And he's talking about his suffering and death. And they don't understand. And then he tells them, don't let this throw you. You trust God? Trust me. And Jesus then tells them about another helper that's going to be coming from the Father, the Spirit of truth, and he will guide them. And they become more confused. And then he blows their mind. He says in John 14, 12, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. And it was one of those right, yeah, right moments for his disciples. They had seen what he could do. And he was saying that you're going to do greater. Then Jesus kind of changes the tone and he says, the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Can you hear him say, what? The ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. And they sit there in silence before him. And then Jesus breaks the silence. He says, get up and let's go. I want to paint a picture for you. I want you just to imagine with me. These 11 confused men followed Jesus down the stairs out of that upper room into a moonlight light, moonlit night. And they head down toward the Mount of Olives, they, the garden. They've been there before. And they're making their way through the streets and they follow down, go through the Kidron Valley and through the ancient vineyards that were there. And they walk in a single file between the rows that have neatly tendered, tended plants. And all of a sudden Jesus stops. He stoops down and they gather around him. And Jesus reaches down and he picks up a branch hanging from a vine lying on the ground. And he holds it in his hands and then he looks up into the faces of his disciples and he says, and this is verse 1 of John 15, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. These are probably the most revelatory words that Jesus has spoken that night. They are full of power and promise and purpose for His disciples, but also for us. If we could only understand what He's saying Jesus says, I am the true vine. Verse 1, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. You see, the vine metaphor that Jesus is using was very 
normal to the Jew because Israel had been referred to as God's vineyard, as God's vine that he had planted. It was the national symbol on their coins. It was also over the temple, of the entrance to the temple, there was a golden vine that was carved into the gate. Isaiah 5, 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation, Isaiah prophesied, Now I sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land. He cleared the stones. He planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes. But the grapes that grew were bitter. They would have all known that when Jesus said, I'm the true vine. Jeremiah 2.21 said it a little different, but it's the same. He says, I was one who planted you, choosing a vine from the purest stock, the very best. How did you grow into a corrupt wild vine? Those Jewish men that stood by Jesus as he lifted that vine and that branch said, I am the true vine. Not true in the midst of, or in the sense of being against the false or the counterfeit. But Jesus was saying, I am what God intended for all Israel to be. I'm the genuine, I'm the faithful vine. Jesus was saying, I'm the stock that all must be grafted into. I'm the source. I'm the supply, the sustenance, and the sustainer. I am the life source of all God's purposes. And then he said, and my father is the vine dresser. We know much about the vine and the branches. We've heard sermons and we've heard teachings about that. But my father is the vine dresser. He's the owner of the vineyard. He's the gardener. He's the one who cares for the vine. The father is the one who ultimately is ultimately responsible for the vine and the branches. And I want to say something to you. It's something that just rings in my heart because I never knew this growing up. I never knew that God accepted full responsibility for me to become what God intended me to be. That God is the gardener. He's the one who owns. He's the sovereign who forms us and who will take care of us. And he did it for Jesus. Isaiah uh, 2, uh, 27 verses 2 and 3, Isaiah prophesied. He says at the same time, he's talking about that true vine. At the same time, a fine vineyard will appear. There's something to sing about here. He said, I, God, I, God, tend it. I will keep it well watered. I keep careful watch over it so that no one can damage it. Do you hear the love and the care in the words of the Father? Just as a gardener notices daily the condition of every aspect of the vine, watering it, training it, pruning it on, as the occasion arises, so the divine vine dresser is constantly occupied with the need and the welfare of Jesus and all those who are in Him. God watched over Jesus. You've you got to realize God was the one who protected Him even from the incarnation, from the very first. It was God who told Joseph not to put Mary away. It was God who told Moses, uh, Joseph to go down to Egypt because Herod was going to be trying to kill all the babies. God was the vine dresser taking care of the true vine. And if He took care of the true vine and we're in Him, He's going to continue to take care of us. 
He's the vine dresser. You are the branches. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Jesus was saying, you are vitally connected to me. You are the expressions, the outcropping of my life. You are part of me. Your life comes from me. I'm alive in and through you. And the branch, the branch has no life of its own. The branch, if it's to be alive, has to live by the source and the supply of the vine. Your life comes from Him. There's no strength, no sufficiency, no life in you apart from the life of the vine. Jesus said, I live because of the Father and you will live because of me. You're the branches. And He says, He who abides in me and I in Him bears much fruit. Verse 5. For without me you can do nothing. You do realize that the purpose of the vine, the purpose of the true vine was to bring forth fruit. That which displays the life of the vine and reproduces that life, fruit in the world, hangs on the branches. Now I'll tell you, vines don't, uh, don't hold fruit. Branches hold fruit. Isn't it amazing that the vine, God, Jesus said, I'm the true vine, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to do through you. You know, all a branch is, is a fruit holder. It, it's to bear the fruit. Its whole purpose is to, to bear the fruit. It doesn't produce the fruit. The vine produces the fruit. But the branches bear the fruit. In other words, the vine is not going to do anything without the branch. You need to hear that. Some of you need to hear that. God's not going to do anything without you. You're waiting on God to do something. He's waiting on you to be the branch that He can do something through. You're the branches. Well, what is the fruit? It's the life of the vine reproduced. It's the life of Jesus manifest in the beauty and the sweetness and the seed of who He is. It, is, it, it has His life in it, and it will contain the seed that will reproduce after its kind. The Father will... The Father's will is that you be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus. And perhaps the best picture of that is Galatians 5 where Paul tells us about the fruit of the Spirit. Literally, the fruit of the Spirit is the character of Jesus. It's the nature of Jesus. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And Paul says, and there's no law against... In other words, nothing can work against that. That's what God's after. He's after the reproduction of Jesus through our lives. That's the fruit. And if that's so, why is it that so many are, are fruitless or don't seem to have that same character or nature? And, and this is where I want to dwell a lot on. I, I want to show you the secret of bearing the fruit that God wants to reproduce in you. Why are we? You see, branches left to themselves would, re- would, would rather produce shoots and leaves than grapes. You see, grapes, it's what the world's after, but you see, a branch is known for its 
largeness. All, you know, a branch can be really self-centered. And God has a great expectation. But we're not left to ourselves. And that's what I want you to hear. God doesn't leave us to ourselves. He's the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine, but there is one who won't leave us alone. The vine dresser. Look at verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes, that it may, bring, that it may bear more fruit. Now, that doesn't sound too encouraging because of two verbs in that verse. Takes away and prunes. But let me show you maybe a little different way to look at it. I believe a biblical way to look at it. You see, the word translated takes away is aru. Aru. It, it can mean take away. But most often in the New Testament, when that verb is used, it means it's to be translated to raise up, to elevate, to lift up. Same verb was used and it says, and they lifted their voices. It didn't say they took away their voices. It says that they lifted their voices. Same verb. Thayer's Greek lexicon says uh, also in uh, Jesus lifted up his eyes. He didn't take away his eyes. He lifted up his eyes in John eleven forty one. In Revelation it talks about lifted up his hand. In none of the places could that verb be rendered taken away. And yet it's, it's done that way here. And, and Jesus only has his eleven with him. He's not warning them of being taken away. He's, he's telling them an illustration of who He's going to be in their life and who God's going to be for them and in their life. And then there's the word purges or prunes. And it's the word katharil. Katharu, excuse me. Thayer gives it the definition, definition to cleanse properly from filth or impurity. It, it, speak, when speaking of trees or vines, it means to cleanse from useless shoots. To prune. So, if you can understand it, what, what he's saying is that what I tried to say in the story was he lifts it up and he cleanses it off and puts it up to where it's supposed to be. Prunes. He cleanses you. The reason I believe it is cleanses is because Jesus in the very next verse says to His own disciples, He says, and you are clean because of the word that I spoke to you. You are already cleansed. It's the same word that we've translated prune. You're already pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. Jesus, the same verb is used two times and yet interpreted different, pruned and cleansed. So what if we took this new way of looking at this and, and use these definitions? Listen to this. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the vine dresser, vine dresser lifts up, raises, elevates, and every branch that bears fruit, he cleanses from impurity and cuts away the useless shoots that it might bring forth much fruit. You see, in the life of the natural vine, branches grow rapidly. New growth doesn't necessarily grow where it's supposed to grow. You do know that, right? When something's really growing real fast, it doesn't, it doesn't, really, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do sometimes. Left to itself and gravity, it will tend to grow downward, aiming at the ground or the world. 
little feeder roots would begin to come out of the branch to form and connect to the ground. And the branch begins to try to find life from something else other than the vine. And they become rooted. Rooted. Sounds a lot like us sometimes, right? We just meet Jesus and everything's going great. But then all these trappings of the world and all these things come at us and we find ourselves kind of falling to the ground, falling away from that which we had experienced before. And all of a sudden we begin to try to find life in other things, in the desires of the flesh, in the ways of the world, in our own way, the pride of life. Now here's the point. The vine dresser will not let that keep happening. He's going to lift you up. He's going to uproot you from the very things that you think is giving you life that God knows is is robbing you of life. Because when you start to try to find life in anything other than Jesus, it's a trap, a lie, and ultimately will destroy the fruit that God had intended for your life. So God, the vine dresser, comes in the middle of what you're up to and He starts tugging on different parts to uproot you from the things of the world you've become attached to in order that He might clean you off, put you back on the trestle of His love and life and His way and truth and life. He puts you back into the reality of your relationship with Jesus. God is absolutely faithful to tend, cleanse, and lift every branch that's in the vine of His Son. He's watching over you. He's continually moving upon you. He's managing, moving in every area of your life. And many times you've wished He would get off your back. And He just keeps tugging. He's pulling. He's lifting you up. Folks, listen, some of your greatest blessings is the things God didn't let happen. The vine dresser must come along and uproot the branch, wash it off, snip off those useless shoots, and lift it up to where it can bring forth much fruit. Folks, listen, he's never going to stop. Because his love and care is so sufficient for you, he never sleeps and never slumbers. He's going to protect you with his eye upon you. Your life is hidden in the vine. You will bear fruit. You will become what God intended. Not because you are somebody, but because you are in the vine. And the vine dresser is tending his plant. And he will establish you. He will watch over you. He will lift you up. He will cleanse you. First Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he who called you. He will do it. Well, what are we to do? John 15, 5 says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Abide. Here's all that God wants us to do is abide. The word in Greek is meno, meno. It means to stay. Now, folks, listen to me. There's a difference between being in Christ and abiding in Christ. The difference is maturity level. You see, you were placed in Christ because of simple faith in Jesus Christ. When you trusted Christ, whether you even understood what you were doing or not, He put you in Christ and He accepted full responsibility to grow you up. 
And it's amazing to me, we can, we can come and make a decision for Christ, say yes to Christ, and then the next few weeks, we can, the excitement tends to wane away, and we get so caught up in the things of this world, or go back to the old habits, or get caught up in the things that, that are pride, or things that are way I've even been raised. I can get caught up in those things, and you don't realize it, but you're, you're rooted in different soil, and all of a sudden you become, and God starts to tug at things, and He must do it. You're in Christ. He's not going to leave you alone. And now He's expecting you to stay in Christ. The word abide literally means to stay in a given place, a state, or a relation, or expectancy. To continue to dwell, to endure, to be present, to remain, to stand, to tarry. It means to be and remain united with Jesus. One with Him in heart and mind and will. It's to find your life, your focus, your strength, your everything in Him. Abide means to be at home in Jesus, in the vine. Trust Him. Expect Him to live by means of you. Rely upon Him, depend upon Him, respond to Him. You are safe in Him because the Father is watching, He's caring, and He's protecting. And what's the result? Fruit. That word is used over and over again here in John 15, 1 through 5. Fruit, John verse 2 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away or he lifts up. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes or cleanses, that it may bring forth more fruit. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Note the progression. No fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. It's kind of like God's fruity. He's after, he's after the fruit. Well, what's the fruit? It's the reproduction of the life of Jesus. You see, God has placed you in Christ and He's at work in you and on you and living through you that you would bring forth the character and the nature of Christ Jesus. More, much more, much more. Did the disciples understand it? Probably not, but they will. Because 50 days later, God's about to fill them with the presence of His own Spirit. It's like Jesus is saying to them at this place, and He may be saying it to us today, Guys, I realize you don't get it, but I'm leaving you here. There's many things I, could, I desire for you, many lessons or many cautions, but... I'm content to leave it all unsaid if you'll only remember this one thing. Abide in me. Let me say it in Texan. Stay hitched. (laughs) Stay hitched to Jesus. Don't unhook. Don't even think you can unhook. God, uh, double tighten that nut on the bottom of that hitch. Understand that the vine dresser is God the Father. And when He put you in Jesus, He wasn't making a mistake. And what He wants from you, He's willing to perform in you. Trust Him. He will get you there. Abide in me. Remain in me. Stay hitched. Because of this, without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. Two things 
I think Jesus is saying to them and, and I think he's saying to us today. He's saying, you know, I'm the only source to what life is. There's no other source. Listen, it's not the demands and the commands. It's not all of those. It's Jesus. I am the vine. You're in me. I'm in you. Stay hitched and watch what I can do. Because without me, you can do... Without me, you can do... Jesus saying, without me, you can do... Then there's a confession we need to make. And that's, it just came... If without Him, I can do nothing then my confession is I choose to do nothing without Him. Nothing. Because anything I would attempt to do without dependence and reliance and staying hitched to Him will be nothing. And all of the plans and the purposes and everything that I thought was going to make me look so good, make me become somebody, make the whole world take note of me, all of those things are absolutely nothing apart from Jesus Christ. The fruit is to be His life displayed, reproduced after His kind in this world so that the whole world could know that Jesus is God's answer for living. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And I'm going to invite the prayer team to come. Jesus came that you might be made new, forgiven, changed, born again, transformed, recreated in Him. And here it is. It's so simple as you just say yes to Him. You say yes to Jesus. You say no to your sin. You say yes to Jesus. He saves you. Jesus is God's only answer to man's sin. Some of you know Jesus. But you've been left to yourself and you've become grounded. The desires of the flesh and the dreams of this world and the deceits of riches have all offered you empty promises and you've bought them. Lies that will root you to this world and it's a trap. It will hold you captive and it will not let you go. But we have a vine dresser that's here this morning that will uproot you from every alternative to Jesus and put you back on the trellis of who Jesus is and what He has purpose for you. You can trust Him this morning. He will take and cleanse you and forgive you and put you back in the purposes and plans He has for you. He wants to lift you up. Many here want to, we want the life of Jesus to flow through us. We want to bear fruit. Well, what are we to do? Stay hitched. Well, this world is pulling from every direction, isn't it? Stay hitched. When it looks like all hope is gone, stay hitched. Hold on. You want to bear fruit? Abide. Stay hitched in a state of faith and expectancy. Live with your focus on Jesus. Quick to respond. Faithful to obey. Learn to confess, I choose to do nothing today, Lord, without you. And I owe this to Mr. Ray Fault. You know what Jesus will do? He will turn the grapes of His goodness 
into the wine that God has for the world to drink from. He will turn your water into the wine of His love, His grace, His care, and His joy. But you got to stay hitched. I'm the vine. You're my branches. And the vine dresser is expecting fruit. I'm going to invite you to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning. You may be here. You've never known Jesus for yourself. I want to invite you to trust Him. There's prayer teams here that would love to pray with you. There's some of you that know you've been rooted in the wrong things. Yes, you're a Christian. Yes, you know. But you've been rooted in the wrong things. You thought you, those things would bring you life. And they brought you pain and problems. Let the vine dresser lift you out of it. He's here this morning. They would love to pray with you. Many of you are saying, I want to abide. I want to stay hitched. But right now, I'm wavering. I'm faltering. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, where I'm supposed to be going. Just, just invite the Holy Spirit. He said He would be here to guide you into all truth. These are here to pray with you. I'm going to pray a prayer, and then I'm going to just invite you to respond. The prayer, the altar, wherever, wherever, whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you, we invite you to respond to Him. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you that you're my vine dresser. That you hadn't let go of us in Christ. And you are doing and you're going to fulfill the very purposes and the plan and the promises you've made to Jesus. And you're going to do it through your branches. Lord, I choose to do nothing without you. In Jesus' name, amen. We invite you to respond as Amanda sings. There will be storms that will move out the way And trials will come to only test my faith What I've learned about your favor, your mercy and your grace Is they go on forever they're sufficient for today. When I'm worried about tomorrow, I won't be overwhelmed. And the burdens that I've carried, I will choose to lay them down. What I've learned about your favor. Your mercy and your grace As they go on forever They're sufficient for today And all my present suffering 
your mercy and your grace cause they go on forever all glory to your name of Jesus be all glory and praise and honor and submission. We surrender. I choose to do nothing apart from you. So that means tomorrow, Lord, I'm going to wake up trusting you to show me. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to make a decision. I'm not going to plan a plan without consulting you. I trust you. Move in our lives. Move in our laps. Move in our lives, move through words through our lips that your name would be glorified and your word would be magnified. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Allow these to continue to minister. If you need to pray, they'll be here for a while. May the Lord pour out his presence upon you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.